people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show we are joined once again by good good friend Taylor Labresh for the second part of our Descent into Midnight 2 parter. We've already populated a strange alien world with fascinating undersea life, and now it's time to send that life to battle against corruption in whatever form that takes. Descent into Midnight is currently on Kickstarter's Blowing Through Stretch Goals. Go, back that game, make it happen, find a link in the show notes. Uh, Follow them on Twitter at DIMRPG for more links to actual plays, including One Shot and a bunch of others. Go make that happen. It's a wonderful game made by some of my favorite people in games. I can't recommend it enough. It's amazing. Now, real quick before we dive in, I do want to thank a few backers on Patreon for supporting not just Party of One, but All My Fantasy Children, Talking Nog, the games that I make, the articles I write, all that good stuff is directly supported through the Patreon. So thank you to my, my good friends, Adira Slattery and Aaron J. Amendola, two of my favorite people on this earth, in this world, in this industry. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for showing your love. It means a lot to me. I appreciate it. You're both good friends, and I look forward to having you on the show to promote future projects. But in the meantime, I need to throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, past me. Ah, oh, really? I love it. I love. It. I like when people interact <laughs> with that bit because it's always fun. It's always fun for me. <laughs> Taylor Labresh, thank you for coming back on the smile. show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We're we're fast and flowing. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, thank you for coming back on Party of One. Jeff, thank you so much for having me back, especially after what happened last time. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, uh, water under the bridge. Pun intended, because we're playing Descent into Midnight. Uh, yeah. I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave it on a cliffhanger after you know we built this world. I felt we needed mm-hmm. to explore it, especially because you know we did the first part of the game and not the gameplay part, and that would feel weird. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, character and world creation is part of the gameplay of it Descent is. into Midnight. It, it is. That's that's. That's a big part of my, my, my heart and my life and my career. So I, I have nothing but love for it, but I also want to get into actually playing the game. Yes. <laughs> so uh, real quick, give us the 30-second rundown of, of where people can find your work, what they might know you from, and we descent into midnight before we dive in. I, I assume they listened to the previous episode, but in case they didn't, give us a rundown. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I am Taylor Labresh. I am on Twitter at Leviathan Files. I host the Game Closet Podcast, an informal chat show with queer and LGBT plus folks on uh, uh, in the RPG space. I also am a host for RSS Defiant, uh, four friends with two missions. The first is to have fun, and the second is to objectively rank every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, I also make games at riverhousegames.itch.io, um, and the game that we are going to be playing today is not on there because it is on Kickstarter right now, and that is Descent into Midnight. You can find the game's Twitter at D-I-M-R-P-G. You can find us on on Kickstarter at D-I-M-R-P-G.io slash K-S, and I want to give a shout out to my two co-developers who uh, are not here because this is the format of the show is sure, yeah. me and you. Um, and that uh, that is Rich Howard, who is at Umbral Walker on Twitter, and Richard Kreutzlandry, who is at R. Kreutzlandry on Twitter. I, I I mean, Richard and Rich, I I have nothing but nice things to say about the both of them. I think, you know, I think they are they are two wonderful people. I love them both to death. I I, I still feel bad for shaking uh, Rich's belief in his moral center that one time. I get it. I feel bad about it, but there's nothing we can do. Um, but they're yeah, it's a wonderful team. It is just a wonderful group of people you'd pull together for the Kickstarter for the game. I am so excited for it to become a reality. And uh, with all that said, let's dive into the game itself. Hell yeah. 
Uh, so what we are going to do is slightly the opposite of what we would do if we were playing in a, a normal kind of like convention one shot or home game. Um, normally after we've created our games and our characters, uh, I would ask everybody at the table to close their eyes, take a deep breath, and then I would set them in, in place. So we would all kind of share dif- different details. Um, but Jeff, what I would like for you to do is close your eyes, take a deep breath. And then I would love for you to tell me and our listeners about carcass on your character and the P bog world that they live in yes (sighs) so the peat bog the bog as it as we call it uh simply the bog is one of the shallower parts of the the undersea world that we live in it is one of the few places where we can see both the ground beneath us and the surface of the water the ceiling above us there are many places in the world do not have that privilege. Many places in the world can see no bottom. Many places in the world can see no ceiling. Many places in the world can see neither. But mm-hmm. we are here with ground and sky and beautiful stalks of plant life that reach from ground into sky and seem to cascade into the heavens themselves. Uh, and there are clouds of bugs feasting upon the soil and filling it with nutrients and life and making it into uh, edible matter. And there is life. There are creatures. There are, there are, are a, a host of beings floating amongst the bog and living independent, solitary lives, rarely if ever touching one another, rarely if ever making contact except for one blissful moment spaced out ages between when every creature in the bog, every living being, every everything from the, the bug clouds beneath to the creatures sitting on the highest surface illuminate. They light up with a fluorescent glow and they become and they, they, they show their light to the to the bog to remind us all that we are here. And it is beautiful. It becomes this magical, iridescent rainbow space. Uh, And it is a place that is unfortunately a victim to the jet stream. This is how I came upon the bog. This is how I was brought here. It is where I live my days. But it is a place that is... There is no hiding from the jet stream when it comes. There is no... There is no... You know, you can perhaps burrow underground and there are a few creatures that do, but when the jet stream comes, it will take people and things and it will carry them away and they will never be seen by us again. And that is simply a reality of life in the bog. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, We forgot to do this as part of our world building episode, but I've gone ahead and placed two corruption tokens and two harmony tokens on our map. Mm -hmm. Um, These represent uh, areas where the corruption or harmony is strongest. Mm -hmm. So I've placed a harmony token on the waves themselves because we can see the sun through Mm -hmm. the waves uh, where others normally can't. And I've also placed a, a harmony token on the lights. Yeah. Um, that, that bring us together and remind us where we are. Uh, and then I've placed both corruption tokens on the jet stream. Um, partly because I feel like that is a very strong place for corruption to come from, but also because this is a one shot and let's double up on that to make it strong. Yeah. So 
Hell yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that naturally brings us into the start of, uh, of our game. So as Carcassonne, uh, exists, what, what would they normally be doing just kind of on a day to day basis? I think they, uh, float among, they float, they, 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 they shadow things. They shadow people. Mm. They shadow beings. They float along. They float alongside. They don't really, like, sustain themselves a lot. You know, they kind of, they maybe scoop up some, so they maybe take their plates and they dig up the the nutrient-rich soil. But, like, a lot of what they do is simply floating behind other creatures and just observing Mm -hmm. and watching. Not really asking a lot of questions, just choosing to sit back and observe and listen. Uh, Jorthroot is a little different. Um, I should probably explain, uh, introduce uh, Carcassonne and Jorthroot. Yeah. Uh, Carcassonne is a collection of crystalline plates that uh, float amongst each other and sort of assemble into different shapes to suit their needs. Uh, they are a traveler. They travel on the jet stream. It is all they've ever known. It is all they will ever know. It's floating on the jet stream, spending time in a community, and then when the jet stream comes again, they float off. They are, they float in a cloud of, like, smaller crystalline mist that sprays behind them, and they travel from place to place, and they observe, and they watch, and they learn, and they study. They don't interact much, but they simply take it all in. Uh, on one of their journeys, they went through a web a bushel a reef of sentient semi-translucent sort of coral strands and one of these strands uh jorthroot attached himself to carcassonne and the two of them became traveling partners some a little maybe a little reluctantly at first carcassonne is a solitary traveler and jorthroot seemed a little too eager to run away but there's a harmony there there's a partnership. There's a camaraderie there. It's it's nice to have someone to see the world with. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, and so seeing the world as Carcassonne is shadowing folks, Jorthroot, following quite closely behind, um, it, today is slightly different um, because earlier this morning, uh, the jet stream washed through the community uh, thankfully no one, no one went missing. No one was gravely hurt, but today people clean up. Uh, so there, um, there's a lot of organic matter just kind of floating through the water of this peat bog. Um, normally, uh, silt just kind of collects at the bottom, um, dead, uh, dead material kind of flows in through here to provide food for, uh, for the, the clouds of insects that the community, uh, uses as its primary food source. Those insects are scattered and, uh, amorphous. Um, they don't have their schools in place. Uh, and, and as pieces of, of sticks and litter and, uh, and, and branches of these stalks from up above the waves are settling down. Um, things, uh, start to get back to normal settle, I think is, is a very key word. I've used it a lot, but that's really what's happening Mm -hmm. right now is things are, are settling. Um, and, uh, one of the things that is settling uh, settles in front of Carcassonne uh, and Jorthroot, and it is disturbing to see. Uh, it is a curved, uh, curved crystalline section 
Um, one, it, it looks like one of the pieces that make up Carcassonne's main body, like the, the pieces that shift and move and, and change uh, with your matter mimicry. Um, but uh, it, it, it looks like small, um, small pores have been dug into it, and some of those pores hold roots uh, that, that grow out, um, almost as if uh, whatever creature um, whatever creature this once belonged to um, ha- has been taken over by these roots. Hmm. This was not in the community before the jet stream uh, hit this morning. This was something that washed in along with the rest of the the particulate matter, the the dead sphagnum moss, the um, the broken strands of these mm-hmm. these large plants. I think I break from shadowing this uh, sort of cylindrical uh, eel that I've been floating behind. Mm-hmm. And I watch it, and I I break from following what I've what I've been shadowing, and I just sort of loop around it, keeping a distance, um, keeping a distance. My my plates shifting to keep a close eye on this plate, this these roots, this thing. As I just float and I look and I examine from like from a from a slight distance, but just keeping a very close eye. Or trying to gather some idea of like what this is. I don't see mm-hmm. a lot of things that are like me. So to see one and to see it yeah. in this way is very immediately alarming. Yeah, and so it sounds like you are examining an important object. Yes, it does. Uh, so I would love for you to roll plus hope as you read the flow of the echo around this thing. That is a seven. All right, so you may ask me a question about the past, present, or f- potential future, and I have to answer truthfully. Um, what took this object over? Yeah, so as you look at it closer, some of the roots start to move and squirm, and you see that they're not really roots. They're almost like worms. Uh, one of them has uh, a couple like little mandibles that it uses to pull itself along, Um and you see that the bodies of these worms are slightly ragged. Um, and, and on further investigation, even further investigation, um, they, they have been using this thing uh, much in the same way that like, uh, I want to get the name of this right. Is it trochate worms? Yeah, much like tunicate worms use uh, their like tunics or, or like protein skeleton. Um, so it's it's a, a very hard um, object that these worms have burrowed into and found a home. Hmm. I am... Cur- I, my curiosity has gotten the best of me, and I think I have to float a bit closer and um, tilting my... my tilting my... Uh, my plates to uh form sort of a to catch a little bit of that light and form a little bit of a mirror and reflect the worms back upon themselves uh keeping the slightest you know that that slight distance and sort of rearing rearing back my jets or like my my mist jets in case i need to vamoose very quickly (laughs) i i i flash them back on themselves to kind of draw them out and get them to identify themselves yeah it sounds like you're asking for help from nature yes. um, to like connect to this thing. So I'd love for you to roll plus hope again. All right. 
That is another seven. Nice. Um, so on a hit, your pleas are heard. Please describe how the natural world comes to your aid for this. So tell me how these worms answer your question. Um, I think they fully emerge from this uh, crystalline. They fully emerge from this sort of crystalline uh, carapace, right? Like they fully mm-hmm. emerge. They see themselves reflected back and they fully emerge. And I think uh, whether, you know, I, I, I perhaps mean this is something since it kind of ties into the result. I think I'm, I'm going to ask you as GM if this is something we need to roll for. But like perhaps this is a moment where Jorthroot can pull a, a memory from these collective worms to give a picture of like where they are, where they are from and like how we connect with one another. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that we need to make Jorthroot roll. I think that this is kind of in, yeah. in your reach out role, yeah. um, which is a, one of our basic moves. Uh, so yeah. Um, and I, I think you own this answer. I, I want to, encourage you to own this answer more mm-hmm. and tell you and and tell me what the worms tell you with their memories. Uh, I do have something to follow up because you did roll a seven through mm-hmm. nine. Um, but tell me kind of what the worms remember. The worms remember um, and peeling back the curtain ever so slightly. Um, this is me pulling on, this is me pulling slightly on a, uh, a corruption move that I'm interested in, uh, which is Ooh, yeah. uh, breadcrumbs. The corruption within you attracts the attention of an otherworldly ancient or enigmatic entity. Um, pulling on the worms, uh, Jorthroot and Carcassonne and the worms are all flashed back to a memory of a structure, a massive, writhing, shifting tectonic structure of these carapace plates that is glowing from within with sort of a purplish like thunder crackling glow. And it is like somewhere between like a period, a pyramid, a sort of rhombus shape. It is just this ever shifting like, and it's, but it's always very geometric. It is a, a, an astoundingly geometric, like measured thing for this colossal uh, mountainous thing. And they, they picture this and, plates are shifting off of it and are grabbing things and are like shoving them into the mountain itself. And one of those plates, uh, was overtaken by a cloud of worms that burrowed in and carved roots and were pulled away on a jet stream. And they crash landed here. And this is the memory that we've all shared. I love it. Um, so on a seven to nine for reach out, I get to tell you how the help is temporary, unstable, or threatening. And it's all three of those things because as the roots leave, uh, the crystal that they had been sheltered in, that they burrowed into, um, it kind of just disintegrates. Mm-hmm. There's nothing keeping it. Uh, the bodies of the worms were propping up the holes that they had dug in. And so it just turns to like sand mm-hmm. almost. Um, and, they now panic in the water uh, th- with nothing to protect their small, soft bodies. They they scamper and they look and they look to you and see that your body is made of what their home was. Uh, and they try to burrow into your body now. Mm. Um, and I would love for you to uh, roll to resist corruption. Okay. Which is a special move. All right. What am I, um, what am I rolling on here? 
you are going to roll with the amount of corruption that you have marked. So that is a plus three. Uh, that's actually a plus four. No, that's a plus three, because you have four harmony, three corruption. Well, I rolled an eight, so it doesn't make a difference either way. So that is a eight, nine, ten, eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, on a, on a 10 plus, the corruption works its way, hey, works its way deeper into your mind, body, and soul. Mm. So please mark a corruption. Okay. Um, and you, you now have, it, it feels, actually tell me how it feels as these worms burrow into you. I lose the feeling on one of my plates. Like, Mm. because in the way that like that previous plate, like disintegrated and collapsed, like. It, it simply, I see it, and it still, like, functions. I can still use it, but I, I, I no longer feel it. Like, I no mm-hmm. longer, the feeling of, of meanness that runs through my other plates is no longer present as the worms burrow. And it feels like a numb limb that you can still squeeze your fingers ever so slowly, but, like, it just feels numb. There's a numbness that overtakes that one plate. Yeah. Um... So do you do you react in any way? Um, Jorthroot is is there seeing this happen. Um. um, I think I rearrange my plates to put that plate at the very kind of end tip, like front of like front of the cone, right? And then I I start mm-hmm. to. I start to move and I start to comb along the ground and I start to like scavenge and hunt and look for both look for something else that I might be able to, you know, uh, fasten into a new plate and replace this, replace this part with, or perhaps Mm -hmm. just more like get more damage, more of a picture of like how far this jet stream has traveled. What, what else has it pulled? You know, like pull thing, like, like, Searching to get a great, like, see how much danger we might be in, but also to see if I may be able to replace this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Jorthroot helps you as well with this. I, I, I think that time passes and there's nothing that really suffices. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not, you, you can't create a new body right. with what is around you. Um and these these worms burrowed now they they don't disrupt your kind of like bodily makeup as they did that first plate mm-hmm. there's obviously much more matter for them to spread out um but still they they live within you and you you do lose that sensation to that one plate that you have on your edge mm-hmm. now um and, and something still um stays with you so you now feel that memory as if it were your own of that mountain mm-hmm. moving and, and and disrupting um and you you get the feeling that this was maybe the first of many so future jet streams may have potential to bring more uh more detritus from this disaster um what do you do i this was brought by chance. This was brought by accident. I fear for what happens when this, whatever this is, starts to move with intent. I think that per, I think 
I go to that eel that I was following earlier, and I try mm-hmm. to. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if Jorthroot can perhaps if I can conjure this memory clearly enough, and if Jorthroot can use their gift clearly enough, if we can put this memory in the mind of of this eel, or these perhaps you know some floating lantern fish or like other creatures of this area and see if mm-hmm. perhaps we can, you know, convey the nature of this thing. Because I think before yeah. like any action can be taken, that the, the knowledge that this thing exists needs to be conveyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you can go over there. The, that eel is, is cleaning out their, their home. Um, you know, a few rocks and, and, um, sticks and, and branches have fallen over the entrance to their little cave. Uh, what's the name of this eel? Uh, this eel is Kelzak. Q Q E L Z A K. I'm going to add that to my name list here. Naming things is fun. Yeah. Kelzak. Perfect. Kelzak the eel. Um, and there are some lantern fish there around um just kind of also picking up uh eating some of the the larger invertebrates that that were stirred up by the the jet stream um and i i don't know if there is really a role that i want to make you do otherwise i think that you can share this information mm. with them um they are understandably concerned and, and shocked and, and scared. I have a, a thought, a suggestion, a plan. Yes. Something something immediately comes to mind, which mm-hmm. is the size of this thing and its scope and the fact that it is of many but also of one presents a, th- a threat and an opportunity. Uh it is going to act with a single purpose with its many parts, but what I think can perhaps be conveyed is if the, uh, if, if we of the bog can show that we act as one but of many, if we are many people, if we act as uh, many interests but one action, mm-hmm. I suspect we can perhaps send a signal strong enough to send a, a psychic perhaps a psychic reverberation perhaps it can literally see what 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 I am planning or perhaps it will pick up on on a psychic reverberation of what I am proposing but if if we if we can call can trigger the glow and mm-hmm. we can trigger the glow on mass and we can trigger the glow in close proximity and we can form our own glowing crystalline mountain but made up of not one creature but many creatures acting in unity and with uh with selflessness and community in mind perhaps we can make at least a gesture that that this space is not will not be taken without a fight mm-hmm. hell yeah it sounds like you are acting as a team Jeff. i believe i am yeah. So when you face a challenge as a team, choose a team leader. I am assuming that's, that that's you. Me. 
and we are going to answer the following questions. Uh, are all team members pursuing the same resolution? Um, I believe so. Yeah, so that's a plus one here. Uh, did you make time to prepare for the challenge? No, we did not. Okay. I... No, I think that this is oh. a, I think this is an acting fast situation. Okay. Cuz I was going to offer, would you like to make time and tell me about? But um yeah, I like the idea of just like pulling this quickly. Yeah. Uh does anyone not trust anyone here? Um I th- It is hard to say. I guess my question, I guess I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I don't think, I think, I think we are, we are trusted among, among the people here. We have not caused harm. We have not brought danger to the community. We have simply observed and learned. Yep. And then no one is suffering the penalties of conditions. So that's not a a concern. So I would love for you to roll plus one. Okay. That's a 10. Excellent. Um, so, on a hit, everyone gets one maneuver, which is a, a resource that we will spend for uh, a couple things. I saw your cursor in the Google Doc here. So, um, the here to help and not on my watch are options that you have maneuver mm-hmm. for. Um, we will consider you having a maneuver, Jorthroot having a maneuver, and then since we gave them a name, let's give Kelzak a maneuver Okay, too. so you have three maneuvers. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and on a 10 plus, yep. Yeah. Uh, so on a 10 plus, we'll give you the additional maneuver because you're the player character. Okay. So I have four maneuvers. Yeah. Um, so everyone comes together, uh, and the lights, I think this is going to kind of naturally flow into another move here with do something wondrous. So when you use your natural or psychic abilities in a spectacular way, um, and I would love for you to describe to me the lights that shine in the community and then roll plus drive. Um, as I said before, I picture it is I picture like I picture the glow traditionally as like a myriad of glowing lights of different sizes, different um, different sizes and uh, you know, shapes and colors, some some perceivable by humanize some not and i picture but i picture this and they, but they are all you know separated by distance which creates this kind of um sort of lantern festival-esque effect of like glowing balls of light scattered about floating some rising some sinking some slightly below the below the earth what i'm picturing here is like a swirling volcano of colors both earthly and impossible you know, swirling mm. around each other, and um, some some creatures are you know locking limbs. Others are sort of encircling the whole thing from a slight distance. Others are clump clunking down to the earth. Others are you know glowing, and it's just it's this swirling, glowing, iridescent mass. Yeah. I think it like becomes strong. Well, actually, let's let's save that until after the results of your roll. So roll plus drive for me, please. Roll plus drive, that is a plus two. Yeah. Which is good, because I rolled a five, so that is a seven. 
Excellent. So you get what you want, but choose one. Either you suffer a backlash, you lose control at the worst time, or you put others in danger. Uh, I am going to... I feel I must put others in danger here. This feels like... This feels yeah. like... This feels like um, we have come together to create this, and to create this unmistakable symbol that, like, we are united and we are strong and we stand together and we, we care about each other and we will protect one another. But... Also, I mean, it, and perhaps this was inevitable, like, you know, perhaps it was inevitable, perhaps not, but it also means that we've made ourselves known and we've made our presence yeah. very unmistakably clear. So there's a mechanic that I haven't gotten to use in any game of Descent into Midnight yet, and I'm going to use it right now, and that's making a predator. Um, there's always bigger fish, so... Occasionally, I will find myself looking for a predator to stir things up, create drama, or simply to provide an immediate threat. Um, and I think that this is the case here, because as the jet stream, the storm that that drew the waves strong enough into your community, it also displaced things above the waves. Um, and we are going to create a predator uh, right now that is going to spot these glowing lights in the bog. Uh, what does this predator look like, and what about their body or movement is scary, Jeff? Um, this predator is... Oh, I wish I had a photo. I, I create... This is a thing I made in in the spore. Remember this? Remember spore? Remember spore? You're a Jeff, did you... Did you just really ask me if I remember Spore? Jeff, I sunk like so many hours of my life into Spore. Good, because let's talk, because this, uh, <laughs> I made a thing in Spore year, like when, back when only the character creator existed. That uh, Absolutely. Was. I've ne like, I played maybe 10 hours of the actual game, but I've spent like a hundred yeah. times that just making things in that character creator. So this is, uh. A series of, of tentacles attached to sort of a central orb. On each mm -hmm. tentacle is what I would describe as an Audrey, Aubrey, an Audrey two esque uh, pincer mouth. Yes. And inside each of those mouths that can either protrude out like uh, the like the second tiny alien mouth in Aliens or retreat backwards so that it can use its mouth as a mouth is like a single eyeball. Mm. And then like heals back. Uh, this is also where yeah. I point out that I have a veil on, like, eye-related injuries. I just needed to put that out there to make it extra creepy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so it's this it's this mound of tentacles that it's it's periodically opening, and there's an eyeball that it looks around with, and the eyeball recedes, and teeth emerge, and it, it is chomping and biting. Which is terrifying mm -hmm. because uh, giant teethy mouths and chompy chompy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do they want from the characters, and what do they want from the world? Uh, I think the answer to both of these is to consume, and to consume without effort. I think what it wants from the characters mm. is to consume, what it wants from the world is to consume without effort. It, it, sees, it sees small and somewhat defenseless things, and it's like, well, easy, it, it will be easy for me to pluck those. To pluck those yeah, as I... so there's no malice in this, it's just hunger. Yeah. No cunning, just consumption. Yeah, laz uh, um, a, a laziness, right? Like, uh, yeah. a, I just, I want to kind of pluck things as if they are, as if they are grapes from the vine. Yep. And I think that light makes you very tantalizing, 
retreats mm-hmm. because it's it's easy to find you. Yeah. Um, and and hell yeah. And we are not hiding. We are in yeah. fact standing together and making and literally putting a spotlight on ourselves. Ooh, love it. Um, what makes them a unique threat, and what can they do that nothing else can? Um, what makes them a unique threat is they um. There's this is they there is no um it's a bit uh a bit hydra-esque. What they can do is uh break apart into individual entities and like without being they're not they they, they do not become a hive mind, they simply increase in number as their tentacles break off and then over time will grow into a second into a second thing as opposed to a hydra where you cut the head off and two heads emerge this thing you cut the head off and now there are two hydras Mm. hell yeah and then what ties them to the corruption and what ties them to the current plot uh they are tied to the corruption because they are um they are there are uh crystalline plates embedded into their skin like embedded into their various tentacle uh limbs there are crystalline plates that match those that match those on the pyramid that match those on my body and they are tied to the corruption because they um arrive like they have they are they are moving on like a an inky black unnaturally abyss like jet stream that is carried Mm. not that like is not timed with anything it is not connected to anything it is not a naturally occurring process this is an unnatural jet stream that seems to carry only this thing hell yeah and then my last question for you and this will take us into the action who do they go after first uh they go after kelzak first because Kelzak mm. is not not just one light, but is a string of lights. Yeah. And so they streak towards Kelzak. And I, I think one of their many, like, pincer jaws grabs Kelzak in the middle of their body. And Kelzak, like, wraps. Uh, if you've ever seen, like, an eel being attacked or, mm-hmm. or trying to get food, they, they wrap and they constrict sometimes. Uh, it's very wild. Um, and so they, they wrap and constrict around this tendril and get pulled bodily out of the water. Uh, and it's very shocking. Um, uh, and it happens almost before you can react. Uh, but, but now you know that the predator is here. Kelzak is still in danger just Mm -hmm. above the waves. Uh, what do you do? I rearrange my body and I take on a new form. Uh, my plates separate. There is now distance between us, which is uh, not something that I can do for long, and it's not something that mm-hmm. I do often. But I charge. Uh, from the water, amidst a cloud of smoke, come like six or seven uh, buzz saws, and they twirl towards this thing, and they they try they try with as much precision as a cloud of buzz saws can muster. To, to slice through this thing and free Kelzak and let Kelzak get back mm. into the water. Yeah. Um, when you give into violence, I'm going to have you roll plus questions. Okay. Um, so I've got some questions for you. Are you doing this to protect your community? Yes. 
So that's a plus one. Are you doing this because you're the only one who can? <sighs> to my knowledge, yes. So I will say yes. Mm-hmm. Are there really no other options? There are really no other options. Excellent. So roll plus three, please. That is a 13. Excellent. So on a hit, you tear scale from skin and face the consequences. On a 10 plus, you get to choose one from these options. They retaliate as indicated by the narrative. You lose ground and your opponent gains an opportunity or you lose control in a brutal or terrifying way. I am going to choose. uh, I want to lose control in a brutal and terrifying way. Yeah, so tell me what happens. Um, I am a whirling mass of destruction. Like, I am, you know, uh, tentacle after tentacle is sliced is sliced and severed. Kelzak splashes effortlessly into the water. Uh, these, these tentacles continue to move and writhe and slowly, like, they, they, they float for a moment and then they kind of uh, pop up uh, scared because they are they are alone. They are but one tentacle, but, you know, cogent and, and sentient. And then they start to, like, move and navigate. But, you know, as that happens, there are the, the buzzsaws are back upon them. And, like, again, it is a whirling and it is... Um, it is it is vicious, right? Like, there is no longer one predator. Now there are... 18 or 20 like small single tentacle predators because mm-hmm. I have completely rendered this thing like I've rendered this thing to nothingness that only single tentacles each moving on their own separated from their fully powered self remain mm-hmm. and I think that this is drastic enough that I am just going to have you mark corruption okay, yeah which means I am at five corruption yeah so the first thing that I'm going to have you do is clear your corruption. So you go back down to yep. zero. I'm going to have you add a corruption token to the map. All right. So tell me what of your community has been corrupted because of this act. I will. I will do this. Let me grab my circle uh, tool. It's important to note that harmony tokens can cancel out corruption tokens, but it doesn't work the other way around. Got it. Uh, I think the I'm going to put a token on the lights. Mm-hmm. I think that we have turned the lights into a symbol of uh, defiance. Mm. It, we we've we weaponized the lights, right? Like we made it into a gesture of a gesture of defiance and uh, resistance, as opposed to a gesture of unity and togetherness. Yeah, and I like that. That's still like resistance and defiance is still to me feels positive. It does. So yeah. you've captured. You've captured the fact that there's still a harmony token yeah. there, but then it's become corrupted. Mm-hmm. Because defiance is in defiance of something. Yeah. It is, it know, is that... Resistance is in resistance of something. Yeah. But it, there's an aggression there that was not there before. Yeah. And perhaps it can never go back to not being that way. Mm-hmm. Like before, oh, yeah. it was simply, hey, we're all here and we're all okay. But now it is, hey, we're all okay, we're all here and we're not going anywhere. Which is yeah. which is still hopeful, right? But it is it is mm-hmm. it is violent. There's a there's an aggression there that mm-hmm. even when the threat goes away, there's the question of does that aggression go away with it? Yeah. 
And then the final thing that I'm going to have you do is to choose one of those corruption moves for your playbook, and you now have access to that. Uh, uh, again, you can only use that move once. I'm going to choose breadcrumbs. The corruption within you attracts the attention of another worldly, ancient, or enigmatic entity. Uh, I think the way we see it is, as this is happening, uh, my pieces reform, and there is uh, that purple glow, right? That 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 purple mm. glow, that crackling with lightning that we saw from within the the pyramid, crackles and thunders, and uh, it, it it truly evokes that perhaps I was part of this, and I simply don't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah, I love that. Um. So this is this is a meta question that I'm going to ask you, Jeff. Now, uh, I love that as kind of a cliffhanger tease. Yeah. If that's the end, um, but I want to uh, put it in your ball to say, do you want to keep going? Do you, are there any like beats that you want to hit before we end, or or kind of how do you feel about the story? How uh, it's going? That's that's kind of the end of the story for me. But there is one scene yeah. that I want to play out, um, and I want to throw it to you as GM because uh, my character being the traveler. Um, Mm -hmm. And and given what has happened, it feels only natural, given that this is a one shot, given that uh, what has just happened to my character, what has just happened to the community, and given like the nature of the traveler character, I think it is Mm -hmm. only right for me to throw you this question. How am I like how like how am I asked to leave? Like, how do I depart? What is departing? What does departing um, look like? I think that you've been asked to leave too many places. Mm -hmm. And so before you're asked, you just do Mm, it. I love that. That's because, yeah, I think what it is, is like these tentacles, honestly, I picture them kind of scattering, right? Like, yeah, there's a threat. There's a threat in the air now that like is simply there. But like, yeah, um, I do picture that like this happens and I crackle and like I feel I feel eyes upon me. And I think Jorthroot entangles himself back into me and in a puff of smoke i simply there like there's a puff of smoke and i'm simply like back on a jet stream back going to the next yeah. destination knowing that i i i helped them i think or at least i let them know that they were in danger and that perhaps perhaps that is my purpose Perhaps yeah. that was not my purpose in birth. And I think I kind of have a conversation with Jorthroot where I'm like, I, I ask I ask him to do something that he has never done before as I'm departing, right? Like this is our, in, in our Netflix uh, premium series, this is, yeah, the, yeah. this is the continuity scene at the very end of the episode of like, I ask Jorthroot, I'm like, dig deep and find the oldest memories that you can. As I, I'm like, perhaps my mission, I, I, I suspect that my mission was not to simply travel, but I'm making a new mission to let people know that this thing is coming and that it can be opposed. Mm. But also I need to know why I was sent on the jet stream. Yeah. And Jorthroot begins to glow and begins to deeper kind of root himself within me and we zoom in and then that is game. Yeah. Dope. Dope. Hell yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Shreds. Love it. Thank you so much for playing Descent into Midnight with me, Jeff. This is my favorite game. Thank you for running it for me. I am in awe. 
This shreds. This was this was a blast. Thank you, Taylor. Hell yes. Um. Damn. Yeah. Right. Now I want to like. I want to. I want to watch this now. Like because I got very like. I've been watching Picard and um, like at the end of of the premieres of both Picard and Discovery, they do this like this season on Picard. Um. And I got like very much that ending scene of like a uh, this season on Descended okay. to Midnight, well, and I definitely like. Can we end on it? Can we end on a little game that is completely unrelated to everything? Like that is not in the book at all, but it's just a thing that I want to do that is fun. Hell yeah! I don't make the rules. Can we each throw out just three completely contextless clips for what happens this season in Descent into Midnight based on that session? Literally about to just suggest that same thing, right. Jeff. <laughs> do you want to go first or shall I? Um, I want to go first. Go for it. Uh, the first image I think is we see this like we see. So it says this mm-hmm. season on Descent into Midnight, and that fades into that mountain. Yeah. Um. And it's it's shifting, it's twirling, it may be like erupting like smoke into the ocean. Uh, and then the camera like peels back and we see this like abyssal shelf uh, and prepared to approach this mountain is uh, is is Jorthroot and Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. I think we see um, I think we see uh, that bushel of reefs. We see one of those bushels of reefs. Uh, we see two of them twirling together and forming and like spinning and forming uh like twirling and forming a tower a tentacle um like you know reaching up 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 and we just see all of these individual strands spinning into ropes and forming those ropes into larger ropes and they just keep swirling 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 mm-hmm. as we hear kind of like Jorthroot's sort of uh voice over of just saying like you can't do this alone mm and then uh, I think the the third image that we see is um, is the echo. So we didn't touch too much on it in this game, but there is a world behind worlds in Descent into Midnight. This 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 world of ideals um, or of like perfect images. Uh, it's different for every game, but I think for our series, it's it's this image of like shadowy ghosts uh and like blue sparks uh and so we see Carcass or Carcassonne and Jorthroot uh in the echo um kind of falling or or spiraling uh as these ghosts like swirl and and spiral around them and i think we see um i think we see uh the glow we see the we see the, the cloud of the glow right and from it silently solemnly Kelzak simply floats out out of it like and, mm. and is and is departing and we don't know where we don't know why we don't know why they're alone but we simply see Kelzak leaving the glow and the glow sort of fading into the background yeah uh and then i think um we we see the like strands uh with their leaves and the leaves are yellowed and like bitten and uh the camera zooms in slowly to to where we can see these worms with their ragged bodies just chewing mm-hmm. and i think uh the last visual that i am going to throw out is um we just see we get like a background, like a sweeping landscape shot and purple lightning is just crashing everywhere. And it is just mm-hmm. this 
apocalyptic lightning storm underwater of purple lightning crackling, cracking, cracking. And that's it. Like, we just see that sweeping over a landscape. Yeah. Um, I do want to throw one more image out. And it's not necessarily an image, but I think it's it's stars from underwater. Um, and a voiceover saying, community is always stronger. Welcome to Midnight. Dope. Dope as hell. Taylor, thank you for coming on the show with me. This was great. Hell yeah, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, dang. That ruled. That was that was awesome. Yeah. So real quick, before <laughs> we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Uh, you can find me online at uh, on Twitter at Leviathan Files. You can find the small micro and nano games that I write uh, on riverhousegames.itch.io. And I do want to plug here real quick a social goal for our Kickstarter that is starting now. So it's not even the campaign yet. And we're already uh, trying to work out our social goals. Um, there's two of them that are really fun. The first is before the Kickstarter launches for every, uh, every hundred people that we have back the project um, – and you can do this while the campaign is running, too, if you go and save the project in Kickstarter. For every 100 people that we have save or follow the project before it goes live, uh, we will be releasing playbook art. Um, so my my best friend Taylor has been doing phenomenal art. Uh, he's got all the art for the playbooks, uh, and we are teasing them out during the campaign. So go follow, save the project. Um, it, it's a great way to get content, even if you can't back it, um, which we hope that you do. Uh, but then the second social goal is... Um, for everyone who tweets the link to the Kickstarter page with the hashtag Welcome to Midnight, I am going to be writing a micro game or a lyric game uh, for Descent into Midnight. And then um, everything that's that's produced by those social goals will um, be compiled into a free uh, free PDF for everyone. That's dope. Um, that's amazing. So we, yeah. Um, so they're really cool. They're the, there's four games that I have planned so far. Um, the first is called Stick Your Arm Into a Catfish Hole. Um, the, the second is called Coming Out of My Cave and I'm Doing Just Fine. Uh, there's one called Pikes. Uh, and then there's one called You May Only Play This Game with the Creature That Lives at the Bottom of the Mariana Trench. All right. I love it. I'm, I'm damn digging it. I feel yeah. it. <sighs> Taylor, thank you for coming on the show. This was a blast. And for now, I am going to throw it over. Unless you would like the honor. I would love the honor. Please. I also just realized that I didn't actually give the link to the Kickstarter, oh, yeah. which is uh, dimrpg.io slash ks. Well, there you go. Go there. Go there. Back the game. And Taylor, would you like to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show? I really would. Take it, future Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, past me. And thanks again to Taylor for coming on the show. That was... <sighs> that was incredible. That was absolutely incredible. Be sure to follow Descent into Midnight on Twitter at DIMRPG. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to their Kickstarter. And be sure to follow Taylor on Twitter at Leviathan Files. Then, after you follow Taylor on Twitter at Leviathan Files, follow us at Party of One Pod on Twitter. Like the show at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast on Facebook. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. Head to our TeePublic merch store at bit.ly slash Party of One Merch. And... Check out the other podcast that I produce, All My Fantasy Children, a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I, we take a listener-submitted prompt, we spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. You can find that show every Friday-ish at oneshotpodcast.com.
Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. Music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran featuring the D&D Sluggers. And the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you would like to inquire about advertising rates, press coverage, or about coming on the show as a guest, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.